everybody. They want everybody to quarantine so they don't spread this virus. Could I stay in your home? I hope quarantine mm -hmm. never ends. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. And do not adjust your sets. Hi! I'm I'm still here. <laughs> this is actually the voice of Mike One, co-host Mike One, co-host also Mike coming at you in a second. We are bringing you an Oscar Sprint Profile. It's been a while since we've had one of these, too, doing the movie Borat 2. Uh, so I guess a little better late than never, huh, Michael? Well, number one, welcome back. Um, I'm glad your Thank doggy's you. doing better. I'm glad, uh, you know, you have come out of this election cycle <laughs> in one piece, technically, psychologically speaking, I think, I hope. Yeah, I, I think that's still up for debate. Uh, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank Ryan McQuaid. You guys put together two great episodes and, and multiple hours that were a fun listen and I, they were fun to edit. And you guys went in deep on all things Oscars. So uh, great job by the two of you. Uh, great job, Thanks. America, on the, uh, the, the vote, <laughs> yes. even though... Look, something's got to be done. I'm not going to get on my high horse right away, but we got to do something to to find a, a reconciliation between two sides because 70 million votes for Trump is horrifying. But uh, thank you, Georgia, and thank you, Pennsylvania, <laughs> and thank you for the states that uh, that voted Biden. Um, and uh, thank my dog for being the most unkillable elderly dog in the world because there was a time on last Friday where my family and I were talking to each other and we said we're probably going to have to put her down sometime in the last four in the next 48 hours and she's still here and kicking and she's totally back to normal and I don't think she can be killed that's like the third scare we've had with her in the last eight months she's the Michael Myers of dogs <laughs> it was the I'm, season that's true I'm glad for you I'm glad for you so Me somehow too. Thank you. Yeah, somehow she has channeled the spirit of your favorite uh, <laughs> horror movie icon that we've covered in the past here uh, during the Halloween season. That did happen. And, yes, we've, we're a little late on this Borat 2 OSP, but I still think it's pretty relevant, man, because of the election, because of how things went down, and because, like you said it, there's so much reconciliation to have. I don't think it's just a political you know, talking point and just a, you know, a high road kind of thing that Biden did and saying that, guys, we got shit to do, so we yeah. better come together as a nation. Yeah. I, mean, it, I think it's that, I think it's totally necessary. Like, I mean, we're going to look at a divided government. I, I, I you know, again, I'm trying to stop myself right. before going on the political <laughs> soapbox and go, but I mean, we're, we have to accomplish things. There's a worldwide pandemic. There's global warming with a ticking clock that's becoming a doomsday clock. I mean, if those are not, you know, if those are partisan issues, we're screwed. Those have to be nonpartisan issues. We have to fix them. Feeling good, Lewis. Yeah, it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not happy times. Even though I, it's more, you know, a sigh of relief doesn't have to mean that you're overjoyed. That's right. kind of what this past fallout since uh, I guess Saturday, this past Saturday, has been where the uh, the official announcement was made. But uh, with all of that in mind, uh, we're still going to be here. We're still going to be analyzing movies and talking about the world and talking about the political landscape uh, as as I guess little as we can going forward. <laughs> but it doesn't help that this movie focuses on that and has that in its crosshairs as we are giving the Oscar Sprint profile breakdown of Borat subsequent movie film colon delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Unbelievable title that I uh <laughs> 
I believe you delivered better than I did. In Ryan McQuaid, so, I appreciated well Ryan holding your feet to the fire in those episodes and demanding <laughs> you say the full name of this movie when discussing it. Uh, this movie was a hit, though, Michael. Uh, we should have a sense now of what the viewership numbers have been. Yeah, Variety and their VIP data group basically put it second in the, the most watched direct-to-streaming title list on the year. The number one title is Hamilton, and apparently Borat 2 had more views than Extraction did, Mike, on Netflix in its first 77 days, or first seven days, rather, uh, but less than Hamilton, like I said. But basically, we can kind of, by... Uh, you know, by comparison, figure out what the viewership was because Extraction finished its first month with 99 million views and Amazon came out and, and said that uh, Borat 2 did tens of millions and I don't know how streaming numbers com work compared to big box office numbers, but if you think about, you know, a $200 million opening weekend, which is the biggest, as I mean, that's 20 million people essentially yeah. at $10 a ticket on an average ticket. So I'm guessing this is, yeah, this is probably on streaming 20 to 30 million if it's going to eventually surpass extraction or come close to be comparable to a $99 million or 99 million view month. So where's the film Twitter uproar for the extraction Oscar campaign? Is that coming soon, do you think, or is that next? I think uh, I think you can <laughs> I'm so start bitter. an uproar or an anti uproar about anything, but yeah, you're a little bitter. But this is going to come up throughout the episode. I'm glad we're talking about yeah. it. Yeah, like this is not the typical movie that we would do an Oscar sprint profile for, and I'm kind of giddy that we are because I like movies like this. But you're kind of you're, you're you're definitely putting a wet blanket on the you know overwhelming positivity of the last two episodes i know that <laughs> rankled you a little bit yeah ryan, ryan said positive. some things that yeah. that really got me on the edge of my seat he's very positive he's a really happy dude <laughs> and i know during the election while you're editing that you know that that, that if you had any objections that was yeah it. you he and i together were like the freaking care bears just yeah talking about you all guys were very high on a lot of things and i think that's good and i think that's <laughs> certainly different from what i bring to the table usually so i think that worked in a way but as far as being high on this movie right now it carries a 68 metascore it does have a relatively high 86 percent on 256 reviews on rotten tomatoes the audience score is a 69 percent on rotten tomatoes as well that's on over 1800 reactions it carries a 6.8 on imdb and that's on 74,000 votes on that uh, website. Now you paused before the delivery of the 69% audience score, but mm -hmm. you didn't comment on it. So I'm, I really think you're upset about this being considered. An <laughs> I'm off film. my if game. It's been over a week. I'm off my game. I got to get back into it. Yeah. You didn't have any kind of quip in there about 69%. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the plot premise for Borat subsequent movie film reads, Follow-up film to the 2006 comedy centering on the real-life adventures of a fic fictional Kazakh television journalist named Borat. All you right, think so somebody went to journalism school to have to write Kazakh television journalist? I think that uh, the word journalist being thrown around in this movie <laughs> is going to cause a lot of uh, commentary from us, just let me say. Yeah. Look, Mike, what were your expectations for this? Because for me, I was like, this is a goofy title. I, this is a tiresome you know, fan base 
after the original Borat film where people just overquoted the shit out of the original movie. And I'm a huge fan of the original movie going all the way back to Ali G, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a huge fan of Sacha Baron Cohen, but I did not expect this movie to be good. What did you expect? Before My watching? expectations couldn't have been lower because of the secrecy with which this film was being treated with. It just kind of sprung on us in commercials. And then all of a sudden Amazon was like, by the way, we're dropping this in three weeks. Uh, as far as its rollout goes. So I, it, it harkened back memories to me of the Cloverfield paradox. Yeah. And, you know, if you're usually that in secret with a, a film, that's especially a sequel, at least with the recent times that we've had something like this happen, it, it's led to not great things. And that's part of my frustration with this is that it's a fun movie. I had fun watching it. Maybe part of that is because my expectations couldn't have been lower and I was down on it and it super it exceeded all of that. But it's not, you know, an 86% on Rotten Tomato. I, yeah, I don't know where I eventually land in terms of the quality, even though we've been able to study it since then. Like, it's not as good as the original film. No, we it agree is not. On that much? Absolutely not. There's also, like, for me, I just recoil against awkward comedy. I know you can take that in much more than me. I revel in and, it. You, you can revel in, in, a, in a lot of things that I just recoiled from. That's why we're a good general. team, Michael. Yes. You can be positive, and I can bring the awkward. But I also squirm when it comes to political comedy, especially during a relic, uh, election yeah. or a religious experience, whatever I was going to say. In my it was, brain, it's all one and the same, I think. Now, I'm laughing throughout this movie despite these kind of quote-unquote biases. So I would agree with you that this movie works on me. I just wonder if I watch this three months from now or if uh, I had watched this you know, six months ago, if I would have been in a, a better place to receive it as a better movie. Because the more I think about this film, and we're going to get into it, the, the, it has such high degree of difficulty that we always you know, weigh in terms of our analysis, that I, I wonder if we should have this rated higher than we do, because we're both kind of on the same B minus low B tier, I think, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Degree of difficulty, you hear us talk about it all the time, and we give a lot of deference to it, especially in screenwriting. This is almost the opposite, at least for where I see the degree of difficulty in this, in that it's the audaciousness of the, I guess we'll call them pranks, for lack of a better yeah. word, versus the story that I felt was... Uh, you you deal with the story in much more reverential tones than I do because, to, for me, this script, the story aspect of this script was slapped together. So, slapped together, yes, but also, I think, improvisationally, it's brilliant. And it's not just in every scene where these two performers, primarily two performers, Maria Bakalova and Sasha Baron Cohen, are just are somehow... Great. Yeah, they're making this story actually fit in these in one just high tension prank or ambush or whatever you want to call it after another with real people. But they're also telling and we can get into screen screenplay thoughts now in the non spoiler section. They're telling a father daughter story and they're telling they're conveying a satire on the current administration in the midst of a pandemic that entirely derails the entire plot of their film. Yeah, they had to adjust on the fly. I, I agree with that. And and again, I mean, that's a degree of difficulty conversation in and of itself. I mean, what was the original iteration of this story going to be vis-a-vis -vis what we actually ended up getting on Amazon now? It, it had to have gone through multiple reshoots and or, or, or rewrites, I would say, and, and stringing it together. The way 
the reason I'm a little more down on it, I think, than you, as far as the improvisation and adaptability of the coherent through line. Yeah. It's, I don't think the pranks, I think the pranks could have happened regardless. And the the cohesion running them through the storyline all happens in separate scenes. So I think these pranks could have happened whenever. I don't really think they play into the overall storyline in a way that a voiceover added after the fact couldn't have recovered it and made it coherent. Well, I broke the Charlie Kaufman rules when I was in film school with voiceover tying in many nonsense improvised comedy scenes, and therefore <laughs> I am not a filmmaker anymore. And I, 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 people who know me laugh a lot at that joke, as you just did. Now, I think in this movie you have, and we talked about it in the pre-show, we have a couple sequences where, yes, I think you're exactly right, where the debutante ball and all the father-daughter stuff with the uh, the cage, <laughs> the, uh, the makeover stuff, like that all was built in no matter what the pandemic brought to the right. floor. I mean, that could happen. Right. Of course, you know, they couldn't get that done before the pandemic. But uh, so I agree with you in that regard. But there's also there's also some fast thinking and thinking on their feet. Agree. There because, agree. Agree. I mean, their their production was derailed literally to the point where he's in character living and quarantining with these subjects in character for five days in a row. Do you think and this is maybe a spoiler thing and maybe it's a tease more than anything. Do you honestly think those two guys that he's quarantined with are legitimate and authentic? I had my doubts and I I didn't doubt. The original Borat, where I'm like, no, these are right. Planned. Agree. You, yep. let, let's just say this: is we are students, we are of acting. We are professional critics in terms of we have trained eyes. Let's just right. say I'm, I'm I'm using far too many superlative superlatives <laughs> for us when I should just say our eyes are trained at this point. We watch we are, movies. Yeah, too many movies. A quantity, <laughs> if not a quality. These guys would have to be two of the best actors that ever lived, and. I would agree. Of, yeah. they, so they're, they're very, they're very believable. I have questions, though. <laughs> I have questions as well because Borat is his workout attire would make me think that all right, this guy is not who he says he is. This is ridiculous. This is- <laughs> right. He looks unlike any human being that's ever existed. <laughs> He Even in ex- L.A. or the South yeah, or anywhere? Anywhere. He must have explained this away somehow to these guys. Like, right. He must be such a brilliant conditioning liar in those moments that uh, he, he literally conditioned them to believe what he was doing for the camera. And that's the deference know? we give Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, I, I hate talking bad about Bor- You, goddammit, film Twitter, have made me talk bad about Borat. <laughs> Because he is a brilliant man. He is a genius. And he does, if you've ever listened to his Howard Stern interviews or anything else he talks about when he's actually being himself and like analyzing the the human condition and why his characters are able to find these creases in humanity like he does. Like, this guy is a fucking genius. I fall short at, at saying he's Oscar worthy because he puts on a fake mustache and is in these awkward situations now. He uses hyperbole to somehow bring the absolute worst out of people, right. which becomes a satire, not of the moment, but also the culture and also this counterculture, which is 
probably half the culture. It's amazing somehow. what you can get people to do if you just speak confidently to them, you know? Unbelievably, <laughs> he gets everyone in this movie to go along with his ridiculous trains of thought. And it does bring up reason. talking points. Like, is that him doing that? Is it a cult of personality? Or is it just the human condition that we're prepared to just react in a way to please other people when they ask something of us? A billion questions can fall out of that. Are we all just naturally bad? <laughs> is it the power of the camera? And right. people just turn yep. into, you know, uh, lemmings when the camera is on them and they have to do what the host tells them to yeah. do. So what you're saying is this should be nominated for a Pulitzer, maybe not an Oscar. And I agree. <laughs> well, Pulitzers are about the written word, right? Written journal. I don't know. Well. I just tried to sound like a smart award that I know. Exists I, out that there. was my yeah, Nobel yeah, was, a laureate. <laughs> Nobel laureate. I, I don't know either. We, uh, we don't uh, concern ourselves with such <laughs> more important things. We like, uh, that should have been our tagline. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, look, I just think this movie is far more plotted than the first one was. It I mean, is. The first one was just goofy nonsense scene after goofy nonsense scene, and they put Pamela Anderson in it all to tie it together. Like, the fax machine scenes in this movie, like, that is the most, and like you said, the voiceover, some of it, those are the most overt ways where you could see, all right, he needs a scene to tie this shit together right. because right. this happened, you know. Otherwise, I mean, the script, I'm just very impressed with it. And if nine people wrote it or if they had all of these writers on, I mean, I'm sure Sasha Baron Cohen had his hand in it and he's on there uh, in terms of the, the credits. But if, if it took nine people to pull this thing together, they did as good of a job as I could uh, imagine they could do. I, the script for me, the story aspect of it, again, is the weakest, I think. I think the performances we can talk about, I'm even willing to go so far as to say one thing, one aspect of this should be nominated for an Oscar award. Uh, but it, when you talk about direction, when you talk about script, when you talk about leading performances, I, I can't get behind it, even in a year like 2020. Even when there's a daughter's owner's manual book that is worked <laughs> into, like, each act of the can, film. Can I be honest? It, yeah. the, the If they made that Cinderella knockoff Trump animation into a feature-length film, <laughs> it, I would throw my full support behind that being nominated in the animated feature category. And I'm not joking at all. I think that is one of the more brilliant things to come out of this. But you know me from having done a podcast about, you know, screenplays and how I like a scene involving a motif for all three acts yes. in, each, in all three yes. acts. You know how I love that the repetition. Yeah. It's good. I mean, there, there, and this is the frustration I have. Like, this is a funny, this is certainly better than I thought it would be in pretty much every way. But when you get online and you see people like advocating this, this is brilliant. This the audacity of this. These, this is so brave to try this. Okay. What, what are the Oscars then? Are they just like the best of YouTube prank shows? I just wonder if this is something wholly different than what we've seen before. And I know you are a connoisseur of YouTube prank shows, but like I hate me, them. I, stopped... I fucking hate them for the record. I hate the YouTube prank shows. I stopped watching prank shows for, with Ashton Kutcher's punked. Right. Or I guess those, who are those guys? The three guys, three New York Italian guys, the practical uh, jokers, impractical, impractical jokers. jokers? Pra yeah. I, I watch them from time to time, but I can't like, I have a tolerance. I have a threshold where I can't stay with them. 
but I can't imagine them structuring a movie about what they do and then make it a work of journalism and, and also have it be satirical and work as a comedy. And I mean, he's just juggling so many things in the air to make this work in 90 minutes. So that's why I give the screenplay probably too much credit. And you might be right. Like if you put this up against in terms of goods delivered, other Oscar level adapted screenplays, it's probably not nearly as cohesive or it's definitely not nearly as cohesive it's just you know where are the goods delivered like how do you rank that because it's just because it is something wholly different i feel like i'm doing nothing but gatekeeping the oscars in my defense here but it's like there's something inherently wrong with the idea of looking through oscars history and seeing like oh this one the same a borat two make good prodigious blah 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 <laughs> Is the same award winner as The Godfather, so that's good. Moonlight. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, <laughs> I agree. And I, I still don't understand why it's a quote-unquote technically an adapted screenplay. I know... Makes no it's sense. A, it's adapted from the Ali G show. I guess that's the, the only reason. I mean, the character is used on the, on the Ali G show. That's why the first one was nominated in adapted screenplay in 2006. Todd Phillips says hi. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk production values for a second, Mike. Ryan McQuaid was very generous, I, I, I thought. And I wonder if you're agreeing with him here. The costumes, the makeup and hairstyling, what did you think? They're absurd. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they're, they're, they're actually absurd. I get there's a... You couldn't do, and I'm glad they addressed it in the movie, you couldn't do just another Borat film because everybody knows who he is at this point. Right. And they needed to kind of switch the focus to a different character, and I think that was very smart and very genius of them to do and pull off. And the way they do make it so coherent deserves praise. I agree with all of that. Um, I like that he's poking fun at himself in these mm -hmm. costumes because, they. I mean, he just looks like no other human could possibly look every well, time. that's the thing. If he was walking down the street, I would say, oh, that's a strange man in a costume. Right. And because I have a trained eye, I would be like, oh, that's Sasha Baron Cohen. Right. And he's doing a bit. Right. And that's what leads me to believe, because he is stripped down and he is just Borat. If he really did hide for five days with these two guys. You're I, skeptical. Very. Very. <laughs> Here's what I will say. The costuming on Maria Bakalova's character is brilliant. Like, she looked like a straight-up caveman. Agree like, with that, to yes. To the point where, I don't know if she was costumed. Maybe she just did not wash or take care of herself for two <laughs> months. Maybe she's that method of an actor. Her performance makes me wonder if she might be, because she went to lengths in this movie. But I was completely fooled that she, w I mean, she was not someone who lived in a barn. <laughs> and then when she got the makeover, I'm like, oh my god, there's a beautiful actress there's a person that of course is on everybody on camera her whole adult life because she looks like that it makes no sense that, that uh she could go from a to z like that yeah, uh, she... unless the, that department's really and, doing and what's even more wild work. is if you look at her like imdb cv imdb cv and like you look at her yeah. photos on there like she, she even looks even more radically different she, this is this woman's a chameleon i absolutely agree so the question I have is these costumes are hyperbole in their own right. I mean, they're satirical in their own right. They're supposed to look ridiculous. And they're testing all of the subjects in this quote-unquote documentary that on, you know, on acid, whatever you want to call this movie. <laughs> Mike, do they actually add points to this category in terms of what these branches might do, the costume branch or the makeup and hairstyling branch, because they somehow 
are barely believable enough while also being hilarious. These costumes. Yeah, why not? I mean, that's I, you won't offend me if you want to advocate for the uh, production or the design categories for this movie for Oscar pushes. I'm okay with that. I mean, he does. There is a litany of hair and makeup. There is a litany of costume changes and design and and purposefully done in a lot of ways. I, again, stop my feet a little bit at the idea of a guy walking around as a Jewish stereotype walking into a synagogue and think, my God, if a YouTuber did this, they would be, you know, their career would be in flames, but it's okay because it's Sasha Baron Cohen doing it. Uh, I, I forgot about that costume, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Oh, Jesus. I like, so I wasn't referring to that. Costume. Right. I understand. I understand. But my it goes with yeah. the idea that there is just there's a ton of actual costume change in this for better or for worse. So, like I said, if you want to push the costume design idea, I, I, I'm going to be less offended by it. But I still don't know that it rises to the level of an Oscars worthy type win or nomination. Right. So, yeah, I don't know where I'm at either, because like I said to Ryan on that show, I was like, you know, some of it's just awful. And he said that's on purpose, which made me think. But like I rewatching it the other night, I'm like, he looks more like a sheepdog as a country music singer than he looks like a man. Right. right exactly. It's ridiculous. How do these people. I mean, even his get up going to the fax machine store. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what are you doing, man? <laughs> OK, so performances. And here's, like, the most serious discussion of this non-spoiler section, because we have two performances that are in Scott Feinberg's first Feinberg forecast, forecast top fives, Michael. Maria Bakalova in supporting actress and Sasha Baron Cohen in lead actor. Which one do you want to tackle first? Um, I love Scott. <laughs> I love Scott very much. And he it's not this. just him, by the way. It's a lot. Yeah, of no, and it's not. And that's what I was going to say next. There's a couple other credible uh, journalists who do this for a living, who like to talk in glowing terms about Borat in a lot of categories. If Sasha Baron Cohen is seriously being considered in the lead category for this Oscars, and he's, a, a, you know, somebody that could make the fi- the field of five, we don't yeah. need to have the Academy Awards this year. <laughs> We don't need to have them. We don't need to do this to ourselves. If that's the best of cinema, and I don't think it is for the record. I think we're going to get more better movies to come. It sounds that way anyway, if you read the, but like, if, if this is where cinema is in 2020, it's okay to punt the year and do the bake sale idea. I still can advocate for that. I think you're wildly wrong, but I get. You're going to give Borat an Oscar nomination. The character Borat is going to be nominated. I strongly like this movie. It's a strong <laughs> like. And I have strongly disliked a lot of Oscar nominations in the past. So just based on the fact that Borat, a childhood, a college okay. Okay. age Look, love of That mine. thinking, if you want to play the, it still comes from a place of meanness and hatred. But if you want to play that, well, he's more deserving than Sally Hawkins' fish fucker in the, you know. <laughs> then, yeah, I can get behind that line of thinking. But you, you understand why I want to get behind this movie. I, I also understand... That's Scott Feinberg's practice and a lot of, you know, these awards. It's based on what he hears. It's based on people he knows. So he's not just grabbing this out of the sky. I agree. It blows my mind. Right. So if he's taking the temperature of a cross section of Oscar voters, just like they all do. And we, we recognize that they do because their predictions are 
more correct than any of ours in any year. I I do think that this is an academy that is considering this movie because it is, if not in the top fives of everybody's list, it's in the top tens. Right. Right. So it at the end of the day. I think when we handicap these races, I think Maria Bakalova. Is well, this be is what I was going to say too, to kind of put a period on the on the Sasha Baron Cohen. If Sasha okay. Baron Cohen, if if the studio feels they need to push Sasha Baron Cohen and Borat as the lead, if if he needs to walk so Maria Bakalova can run in the supporting category, and there's no you know category fraud or no insistence to push her as a lead to fight with all the big lead actress names that are starting to take shape, then I'm okay right. with that too. Well, let's be honest. Number one, and, and I agree with the Academy Queens on this one. Maria Bakalova is a lead actress in this film. Right. But she'll have no chance in that category. Right. So she has to go supporting actress. And I would not begrudge them of that category fraud in the least. Right. And I, and I agree with you. Having Sasha Baron Cohen in the same level of consideration brings her up, especially because I think he's still the master class version of what she's doing even though she's great at it as well. She's like the phenom, the wunderkind uh, in this film, basically with what she's doing. And she has more of a sticky performance, at least for the first 40 minutes, before she really shows her abilities to do exactly what Sasha Baron Cohen has always done with these characters, if not to, to, a, to an extent that's even better than he's done it. Because, I mean, all of the main stories... And all of the main national news stories that we're going to get into in spoilers, Mike, surround her character with Rudy Giuliani, etc. I mean, she is, like I said, a lion tamer in the last episode where she's dealing with dangerous people and people that could, you know, really put her in compromising positions that she's provoking in this film i i just think that's another layer of difficulty that we can't even realize i mean she put herself in harm's way right and she's the one that i said before i would push to be meriting serious consideration and she's also where i put all of my uh procurement of audacity and where i give the credit for the audacity the most in this movie because the stuff she i mean what she does at the debutante ball to oh just God. just think of a twenty-something-year-old girl, or t- I don't even know how old this actress is. Twenty-four. I mean, yeah. a young twenties girl doing that yeah. in that context with those people surrounding her, and just pulling it off and playing it as serious. And oh my God, it was the hardest laugh I've had in a long time. And it's because of the audaciousness of it. And that's you know that's not even a prank. That's that is performing. That's art to me. That was harmless right. to anybody. I mean, it didn't really hurt anyone. It, 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 it was it was great and it was just so audacious so yeah that scene is you're never gonna forget that scene right. anywhere in in life uh, I rem- if I'm ever if I'm ever at a at a debutante ball or a <laughs> gathering uh, banquet, the fucking time, people still clapping along to it. I, couldn't, I couldn't take it man I lost it <laughs> I yeah the setup is what makes that joke so yes. funny and thinking about the setup after the yes and, uh, yeah i agree anyway so i i think the supporting actress category is much more wide open i don't think lead Agreed. actor is going to be open at all but we do know that sasha baron cohen like he did in 2006 is going to be nominated in best actor in a comedy or musical at the golden globes and, and she's going to be in the actress side of that for almost certain Right, so it doesn't have to be double nominee Pete Davidson in there, Mike. <laughs> at least that. No, it's going to be double no- nominee Sasha instead. 
<laughs> right. So Olivia Coleman, Amanda Seedfried, those seem to be the safest bets in supporting actress. Obviously, Glenn Close and Saoirse Ronan, I think they're dealing with as much negative press as they are positive press right now. We're going to have to weigh in on those two movies. I've also but... seen, I think it was Eric Weber talk, uh, being pretty sure that uh, they're going to end up pushing Glenn Close in the lead, too. Well, I saw Clayton Davis talk about okay. her in lead as well. So okay. yeah, I, I, that might be the truth of it at the end of the day. Uh, maybe that's just you know in honor of Glenn Close and her career. Maybe that is the movie again. I, you know, maybe I they was, want to keep her the hell away from Olivia Coleman. <laughs> maybe Olivia Coleman is the uh, Eli, Eli Manning to that Tom Brady mm. situation. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we made a sports analogy. We have to go into spoilers, don't we? <laughs> what do we uh, get, get out of this segment, Mike? Oscar lens wrap up at the end of the day. Do you think this movie gets any nominees or? Uh, do you, are you going to shock me now and say it does? So I think it gets any nominees, any Oscar nominees, because I think um, we, we, we know it's getting Golden Globes. Yeah, it's getting a couple. Yeah, I'll, I'll put. If you put the over under at one and a half, mm-hmm. I don't know what I would take. So I, I hmm. it's a really fucking good performance. It's it's like performance art that Bakalova is doing the entirety of this film, right? And I think that demands respect. Um, so I, I'll say one. I, I hope it's at least one. And, it, and it's an open category. A lot of first-time nominations, a lot of comeback situations, and a lot of movies that, quite frankly, are just very polarizing right now. I mean, it's a star-making so performance. Everybody knows the name of Maria Bakalova right now. That should be a thesis statement of our episode. If I was wiser, I would have made it before, earlier. You're, right. you're absolutely right. She's a, she is now a movie star going forward, right. and we should at least rejoice in that much. But all right, we got to get to spoilers. Let's do it. Spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. This is the spoiler section for, all right, here we go, Borat subsequent movie film delivery, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. <sighs> I don't Oscar. think all the words there are the words. <laughs> the Oscar there. sprint profile. If that title wasn't believable, unbelievable enough, then you're getting the words, the Oscar sprint profile of that from Mike, Mike and Oscar. This is where you want to be for all spoilers all the time. If you've not seen the movie yet, it's on Amazon prime right now. Hit pause on this episode. Go watch it. We'll be here waiting for you to come back and hit play on us. If you've seen the movie already, you just want to hear our thoughts or if we've hyped up the spoiler section for you so much in the non-spoiler section that you cannot possibly go another minute without hearing what happens. It's where you want to be. We are all spoilers for Borat's subsequent movie film, The Oscar Sprint Profile, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Okay, we, the immediate carryover has to be the Rudy Giuliani scene that we obviously, uh, you know, inferred to. So he clearly thought times. he was getting laid, right? Clearly. Like, why else? I mean, clearly. You, why else do you lay down on the bed and put your hands down your pants? Right. I, I mean, and look, when I, believe it or not, and not to get political and all this, but believe it or not, 
when this movie came out and when those stills came out, I I thought to myself, wow, this is a really fucking shady hit job that Amazon is doing on Rudy Giuliani. I actually gave Rudy Giuliani the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, well, old people do weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> I could see him being the type to have to lay down on a bed to tuck his shirt in, whatever. This seems like dirty pool. I rewatched that scene last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually, well, this is one of the movies I watched a couple times, like two or three times, two and a half probably. I rewatched that scene last night, and at first I'm like, yeah, Rudy's not doing anything offensive here. But as the scene goes on, he's clearly thinking he's going to get something from this young girl. And it's gross. It's gross. Even if at, at 24 years old, even at a consenting adult, even at you know Disgusting. a journalist throwing herself at him. Disgusting. Somebody's got to know better there. Somebody's got to realize that, you know, that, that that is dead wrong. I don't, I mean, I, again, even if it's not illegal, it's it's wrong. The fact that he incriminates himself leading up to that, which is a major structure for this story and, and for every scene in the movie, where basically you have uh, the subject or the, the, the target, let's put it, let's be honest, that's what he is. He's the mm-hmm. target in the scene. And for him to just awkwardly, play along with her and flirt with her openly. Right. He he basically ushers in all of what happens next. And that's what Sasha Baron Cohen does to everybody in this. And it's even worse than that because he knows there's other people in the room. Like he right. know like what what did you think was going to happen here? Well, you know you're surround you had a sound guy just come up even though it was fake. Yeah. You had a sound guy just come up and like talk to you. Sasha Barrett Cohen, very strange sound guy, get up there. But I, yeah, I just think uh, I think that scene is still disgusting. No matter how many times I rewatch yeah, it, and I hear I, I hear the same arguments being made by Giuliani. Technically, he's not doing anything illegal, but it's just it's just gross, and and it's just a moral issue with the scene where he's right. throw, he's basically expecting something from a young twenty something girl, and that's right. dead wrong. He's, he's praying. I mean, she she goes into this saying that, you know, I'm such a big fan. I feel like a dream. I feel like I'm Ivanka right now or Melania, whoever she says. And he's preying on her. I mean, this is it's exactly what it is. It's, well, it's the microcosm. And that is part of the right. genius of this movie. I agree. It's a it's a power dynamic in yeah. his favor. And she makes him think as much. Right. I mean, obviously, it's in her favor. She's she's basically setting him up. Right. Yeah. She's in for control, humiliation right. in that scene. But again, we're rationalizing the humiliation. What's morally, ethically right at the end of the day? I think this is definitely going to be a conversation for us as this goes along, because I mean, it is a hit job, even though it's, you know, I, I think they bring it on themselves. But it, it it's definitely Look, bottom line, don't fuck your fans, yeah, right? Here, fans, all of you can recognize that Mike and I realize it's a moral imperative not to fuck you. We will never do that. You you have our word, and we understand that would be morally wrong. Right. If there's a camera around, right? How'd I do there? How'd I do? Is that yeah. Right? If there's a camera, don't go into the bedroom. <laughs> Just period. Full stop. That's it. Don't do it. Don't go in for a drink with the the woman who you don't know right. from a from you know Adam that's interviewing you. Don't do that. Don't do these things. And he did. He did, and he deserves to be. I guess, he deserves the shame. The yeah, of course is, he does. Uh, the question I, I guess I'm 
somehow circling is is it is it right to shame him and set him up for that shame is that you feel guilty pure? yeah you, you you're struggling with the guilt you feel because it was a setup yes. right and i understand that but it was a setup for that a he could have backed away from at any point and it's for a purpose it's trying to sh- reveal character in these right. people even right. if it is a setup that's why i use the you know because, like, if you or I were put in that situation, if anyone with any human decency was put in that situation, even the ages we are, if we knew the girl's 20, you know, we're going to be like, eh. <laughs> Probably I, I, yeah. not with a camera here and with the sound guy right next to you know? like I think so. I, I, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Neither of us do because we <laughs> avoid all, you know, human contact at that level. I just, you know, I, I don't I don't know for sure, but I would like to think so is where I'll end. <laughs> God, good God almighty, this is the most awkward conversation. If you could see the redness on my face right now, we need to move on. But my goodness. It was a great job, again, by, by Bakalova in that scene, though, and right. selling it and, and getting the getting what they needed out of it. And it was, you know, they literally made headline news on multiple news networks. Globally, yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's get back into the structure of a lot of these quote unquote bits or ambushes or pranks or whatever you want to call call it because in terms of the major plot lines Mike he, people just go along with him him because they're on TV and I kind of wrote down a list of things in the first half of the movie but the list was getting so long that I couldn't I couldn't keep writing it down but here, here's the early portions of the movie the crate delivery man locks Maria Bakalova back up with a dead monkey so inside good. the crate. That was so good. And, and Borat's like, hell, you know, Borat's basically, you know, leading this man to to help him. Nail it. Nail it shut. Nail, nail it shut now. He, they nail a human being back into the crate on camera. And this man knows this is happening. Yeah. Uh, that's disgusting. The, uh. <laughs> I mean that's that's wrong. <laughs> the, um, the the even before that, the cell phone store guy gets put on as Borat just starts playing porn in his on the big screen, and the cell phone guy just like nah, oh, but he didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Guess he's figuring it out. There's so much benefit of the doubt given for no reason. Are you a demon? Oh, that that line when he said, "Are you a demon?" I was laughing so hard. That, that was one of the uncontrollable laughs. Because again, this movie's awkward comedy. I'm not trying to laugh, but all the, right. The fax machine guy soon after saying, "Having to write up that this man's daughter will be a sexy gift for Michael Pence," and going, just sending it without questioning it. Going along, and he's getting terms back that he's he high fives him. <laughs> yeah, he's get, like Borat's going to be executed, and this man is continuing to deliver right. all of those messages. <laughs> Uh, but, but look, I mean, the guy selling the cage, he just wants to sell, uh, you know, that amount of money. Okay, so here's here's my thinking with that. And daughters, <laughs> teenage daughters, you got to make them happy. What? Like, like, okay, obviously, this is unethical and humorously absurd. Absurd. Is there any leeway given? To the idea that this dude might be a small business owner and is like he has to choose between making a sale and going along with something that makes his stomach churn. I don't know why I thought of that, but I was thinking of that, too, being like, I guess I I don't want to believe people are this naive and gullible and this bad that just would go along with these things because there's a camera there. Like, I want to believe more people would speak up. So I guess I'm trying to find motivations as to why they may not. 
And I guess that's what I settled on with this guy. I agree that you're reaching to try and you know perform mental yeah. gymnastics to it figure this out why this guy just needs the money or whatever but right. mike i don't think we're living in a moral quagmire to say right. when a man is right. being asked you know which gas canister will kill 20 gypsies <laughs> oh, in a car i forgot about that i forgot about that yeah, i retract it, my defense <laughs> or which cage even if the girl is excited about the cage that she's going to be able to sleep in and live in and I I think it's morally wrong for him to sell. It's an it's an assault on the senses, really. I mean, right. this is why. And like, like you're you're just so put off that this is actually happening. That when the one woman who does speak up on the force and the side of good in this does speak up, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like she's the outcast, even though she's doing the only person doing the thing that we all should do in this circumstance. Th- that doesn't happen throughout this movie repeatedly, and maybe. Right. When it does, that's in the outtakes, and you know, hopefully, I would hope, right? Just uh, as a pure, you know, uh, cheerleader, wanting of to believe humanity. people are good, yeah. <laughs> but Mike, I mean, even the makeover montage where he opens it up, and I'm just dying. He's like, "Can you turn this Nazi into a hot seat?" <laughs> like, and he said that I'm dying, and then of course she puts on the stupid uh, bag instead of the dress. I'm dying, and then at the end. When uh, they're eating the lipstick, he's like, what flavor is this? <laughs> Mike, lipstick. he has a woman put Jews will not replace us on a cake and she a does cake. it without even question. At least. And again, maybe it's dirty editing. I don't who knows. But these people also have to sign off to have their likeness used in the final cut of the movie, by the way. Right. So ludicrous. Humanity is fucked. <laughs> No, these screwed. people deserve what they get. I'm I I agree. I agree with you. And again, like you were saying, like I would like to think in the same situation, I would not go along with this. Ugh. It's just rough to see that there's a lot of people that are otherwise. And you know, you do get the rare moment where somebody kind of shows some backbone. Like at the debutante ball, Borat asks the guy how much is yes. my daughter worth, and he goes five hundred dollars. And then the that man's daughter actually yes. punches him and, she, and punches her father, and she's like, "That's disgusting." And there, that is not a mistake that that was left. In. I mean, there's so much subtext in that too, and that she's a younger girl, she's a teenager or maybe a twenty something. That's right. like that's where the hope for this godforsaken country is. Please, someone, someone yeah. speak out. <laughs> All right, so we've kind of meandered through the section so far, but let's talk about the actual ending of the film. We have Borat basically giving the world coronavirus. Number one, what did you think of the prologue epilogue? I thought a lot of it's funny, even though some of it's swing and miss. Like the the running of the American, it just it didn't make me laugh. And running of the American, I chuckled. Whatever. I thought the the Borat is responsible for giving everyone the virus. I don't remember what that fucking movie was that Mark Strong and Sasha Baron Cohen did. I was the only person that saw it. I saw it opening weekend. I was the only person in the theater. Hmm. I was excited to see it. I don't remember what the the brothers something uh, here nor there. He he's done these ridiculous political satire things just for the sake of comedy before. Yeah. That's how I interpreted the beginning and ending of this. I really didn't, it didn't hit with me at all. Borat's responsible for giving the world Corona. I was just like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, okay. That's, I guess that's a a, a script. That's an endpoint for this through line. Sure. It didn't do anything for me. All right. So here's my strange take on it. I think he's being self-reflective there because I saw the South Park guys 
do this very thing. And they've done it throughout their, you know, however many hundreds of episodes where they basically wonder in certain episodes, are they responsible by ridiculing and satirizing all these subjects? Basically, you know, are they responsible for, you know, hitting the hornet's nest in a way? You know, so is he wondering, you know, is this is this a self-reflexive thing to say? But are we are we part of the problem? Am I part of the problem? Did I cause all this? Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if he's saying that. I that's the, how I read it uh, on two watches. Again, and we talked about this in the pre-production. Uh, if that's your interpretation, and if that's correct, I think you're giving a lot of respect and leeway and i'm not saying sasha baron cohen doesn't demand that type of respect and deference and maybe you could be 100 percent right and if it is i i guess it has more meaning than i'm giving it credit for than i'm giving credit for you know somebody spitting aids into donald trump's mouth like happened at the end of that last sasha baron cohen movie that i was referring to that i can't remember the title to but like i for me knowing that he's done this type of thing before without seeing any deeper value in it i just thought it was like an end point to be silly it was definitely that. I just wonder if it was also something else. So that, I right. guess we can leave it there, let people interpret it for themselves. I just, you right. know, if it's a moment of self-reflection before he then blames the, you know, all Americans. Because what is he reflecting on? Well, I mean, what, what, what is he? How is he adding to the problem by showing people to be not great? Well, the whole and by showing the hypocritical nature of humanity. The government, because it was humiliated, the Kazakhstan government, humiliated because of the right. first film, Borat, hatched a James Bond plan to infect the world with a pandemic disease to get back at Borat. And they used Borat in the best, you know, most delicious, dramatic irony of, of a 1960s right. action movie that obviously plays for maybe a laugh or a chuckle at the end of this movie. They used that dramatic irony to kind of... Uh, infect the world in this and that's reality. that self-reflection of sasha baron cohen because of what you're putting the burden of proof on me you do this as well I'm, 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 I'm not i'm not trying to i'm not trying to disprove you i'm just i don't i don't understand the, the the follow-through there well the characters in the story that he's written in this movie are are feeling like they need to get revenge on the first movie. so it's self-contained within the characters of the movie yeah. It's self-contained within the characters of the movie. He's not trying to make a bigger point about himself as a man or as an actor, you think? Well, I think he's recognizing that his movie has an effect on society. And okay. I wonder if he feels a little guilty for, you know, the, the, the necessary evils that he's having to do in this movie. Because that's the whole thing. Like, we're getting a lot of... Uh, Speeches made right now by politicians, Joe Biden most of all, saying we have to come together. And it's, you know, you and I are big sports guys and we've had a, a life, for better or worse, involved in that level of sportsmanship. I mean, after you win a big game, if you do nothing but talk shit and humiliate your opponent, you know, from these, you know, skits and, and, and the whole world is laughing it's one at them. One of my them, favorite pastimes. Yeah. yeah, it's not going to go well. <laughs> no, and that's why right, a lot right. of the grand... Because you, you're going to make them violent, never mind. I mean, you're basically going to start fights. I tell I tell the kids I coach all the time, just don't talk shit. Don't talk trash. Because that's how fights happen. That's how, you know, just have some sportsmanship. And I do think that's a, the reason of sportsmanship. It's not necessarily just some principle that exists. It's so that we don't, you know, the next game between New York and Dallas doesn't begin with an all-out brawl. 
because right. the last game you shook hands before the end. I just think that's a rule of testosterone in many ways. I don't know. I just at the end of the day, I wonder if he's th- reaching an olive branch out and saying, "Yeah, this is fucked up." To what I for what I do is fucked up. Maybe I'm part of the problem, but at the end of the day, also here's here's another skit where I make fun of an entire culture of people. <laughs> okay, here's what I'll say. I I can't get that far, but here's what you did just spark in me. Mm-hmm. When we get on YouTube, which is a fabled land that we always talk about, like the end of Candyland or something. Right. I'm going to put you in a uh, a jacket with pads on the elbows and give you a corncob pipe and a fake pair of glasses, and I think you need to be a movie therapist. Because that was such a deep dive into the psyche of what could be happening. And you could, again, maybe you have it directly on the nose. I just didn't get that from it. And if it, it's a much more mature and psychological reading of it, and I think there's merit to it, sure. I disagree, but I respect you getting that out of it. Well, think and about think the South Park therapist. movie. The South Park movie, right? The Blame Canada thing, that whole thing. Like the Canadians are – Terrence and Phillip is a proxy for the South Park TV show. And the right. the vitriol of all of the parents in the film and, and the American public in that movie is supposed to you know represent the actual – I mean it parallels the vitriol against South Park, the actual show. And I do think that's Trey Parker and Matt Stone admitting to the fact that, okay, this is a double-edged sword. What we're doing, this type of comedy, we understand that it has implications that, you know, all right, humiliating these people, these powerful people, it's, you know, it's not just as – it's not just Obama at a at a dinner, you know. It's it's you know that has, but all of it has. But where's the humility then? If he truly does feel bad about this, where's the humility and the apology or the you know? I'm saying that is that is as much of an apology as you can right. get. I mean, he'll write it into the you know the the high water mark of the third act of the movie. Like he does, he does ninety minutes of hypocrisy and then said, "Hey, but also maybe not. Maybe I'm part <laughs> to blame." I think that's right. what he's doing there. It's just a gesture and. He's wondering at the end of the day, at the end of his sequel of this film. Is this the most in-depth reading of Borat 2 subsequent movie film make prodigious once great nations (laughs) Kazakhstan? (laughs) I sure hope not. I kind of got into all of the other best scenes. I mean, the song about uh, the journalists and the Saudis. Oh, my God. When Ryan McQuaid pitched that being uh, a possibility for best original <laughs> song, and he did it deadpan. I, I assume he was serious. If not, it's a great joke. I I, I would love it. It would be a <laughs> It'd nightmare. Be so terrible. It would be a nightmare and a delight at the same time. Yes, right? absolutely. But, yes, that was very funny. I mean, that's, a, that's the conceit of this movie. It's a Borat movie. Right. I mean, you can get lost in the weeds about its Oscars chances. You can get lost in the weeds about its meanings. On its face, it's a Borat movie. We didn't do Watch or Not, but I think you can understand from our what we've talked about this whole time. You're going to laugh if you watch this. I did laugh. You're going to laugh. But you're going to cringe almost yes. equally. And Absolutely. I wonder what you're going to grade it right now. Because at the end of the day, I've gone back and forth, 83, 84, 85. I even said C-plus after my first watch. And then I kind of, you know, I dove into it and I studied it. And I I have to land on the high end of it. And I'm going to give it a B-85. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) You want to go with the three-point curve sometimes, even when you, even, you know. Well, I think... 
I, I, I'll tell you what I was actually doing when I sighed right there. Okay. I was debating whether or not I liked it more on my second watch than my first watch. Oh, okay. Here's, uh, here I am thinking that I influence you, and I, I obviously do not. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I just zone out when you speak. You respect you know that my <laughs> number at the end of the day. No, well, no, that is that is higher than I thought you were going to give it. I'll, I'll be I'll be a hundred percent honest in the way wow. you were talking about it. But and that's good. I'm glad, and you certainly got more meaning out of the ending. You are a student of this game, and I more just am, am coming at it from a fan's aspect more than anything. So I would not it would be Untrue, surprised to hear ahead. you be right. Um, I'm I'm really struggling with this. That's why I'm talking so much. I think hmm. I'm gonna. I had. I was like you. I had a C plus after my first watch. I bumped it up to a B minus. I'm not going to get into a B with it, but I'll give it a stronger B minus than I think I was going to at first. I'll go 83. I was going to do 81. Well, 83 is a B. Yeah. Technically, right? 83 is a B. <laughs> Fine, I'll stick with it. I said it. 83. That B minus B and range. That's what I'll go with. This. I mean, it's a worthwhile watch. It just cannot be multiple Oscar nominees. It cannot represent the best in film for 2020, even though it's 2020 to me. I can't... My head, not to be a gatekeeper, not to be a snooty Oscars guy, I just cannot see this movie and think to myself, yeah. that Like, it's, it'd be a shock to my system as somebody who studied the Oscars game for decades like I have. Do you think it does anything for comedies, though? Like, comedies like this, and especially trailblazing comedies of whatever genre this is. Do I think it does anything? I think the first one did more. I don't. I think if this was the first one, we're not talking about Oscars with this at all. And I hmm. think the first one kind of gets overlooked in that regard because the audacity, everything Maria Bakalova did, you made this point earlier, the blueprint was laid out by Sasha Baron Cohen in the first one. And that one took more balls. And just like Bruno took more balls from him. Like, we didn't know what to expect. And he was in very dangerous situations. Not saying that that wasn't the same case here with Maria Bakalova taking kind of the helm this time, but she doesn't have the blueprint to follow if he didn't do it first. And so that's also why I get a little hesitant to say it's so audacious it demands Oscars recognition. Well, we kind of it's audacious, but less so because the audacity was really the first time around. I wonder, Mike, I wonder if the targets and the and the story I'm going to actually, you know, I would vote them stronger in this film, and yet the comedy of the first movie was, right. fu was much funnier. And but does I, she get in a room with Rudy Giuliani if the first Borat movie isn't the success it is? I was wondering that, too. Like, do you think that opportunity even presents itself? If I people attached like, to the Borat brand don't make those connections to be able to get him in a room? Oh, I, I don't know how he fooled them into getting Rudy Giuliani into a room with her. Uh, so I, I can't I can't answer that. I do I do think that the first movie might have gotten even more nominations than this movie if it was put out in this particular year. But that I agree with. That I agree with. Yeah. That I think I agree with. I, so that well, I thought because then you, then early. the talk is all about the audacity and the audaciousness and the balls it takes to do something like that. Well, the, yeah, the first one was unlike anything we've ever seen, and that's why we keep comparing it to like TV shows or YouTube shows. I mean, it, it's literally it's it's a prank show, but it's towards a plot which is also a satiric. 
satirical comedy and investigative journalism. It's all those things at once, and it's just something wholly different. So at the end of the day, I think if the Oscars awards it and decides to award it in a year with no movie moments, and this was a movie moment, like I said, happened in the last episode with Ryan McQuaid. This was legitimately a movie moment. Amazon Prime had tens of millions of viewers, and it was top every national news uh, service uh, for that week leading up to the election. So it had a, a moment. I, I think at the end of the day, it's it's good for comedy. It's good, obviously, it's good for Sasha Baron Cohen. I don't know if I'm necessarily as aggravated as you are with it, and I rationalize it. Here's the bottom line, and I make a lot of bottom lines often on the show. But here's a bottom line: You're like from Stone me today. Cold Steve Austin. I respect that it's something new. Like this is yes. something new. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Yeah, and I it's agree. Trailblazing comedy. So. That's where I'm at. Hmm. Which was the better use of Stuck in the Middle with you? Was it this movie or was it <laughs> Reservoir Dogs? <laughs> it's still Reservoir Dogs, which is disgusting to admit, but yes. That is the review of Borat 2, blah, 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 movie film. Uh, guys, that's your Oscar race. No, I almost said it again. That's your Oscar sprint profile breakdown of it we obviously as always want to know your thoughts about what you think this movie has in terms of its oscars possibilities or did you get any kind of deeper meaning from any aspect of it uh, like we kind of discussed and talked through here at the end let us know you can leave us those as well as any other comments questions or concerns about anything we do here in the mmo empire uh, on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts if you're listening to us on the Apple Podcasts app. If you would be so kind as to go into that app, maybe click on our happy, smiling faces and give us a five-star review. That'll take a couple seconds out of your day and make our entire one in the process. Michael, tell the good people what is coming next and what are some words of wisdom to end on? We got to get back to an Oscar race checkpoint, so perhaps you're just jumping the gun when you kept <laughs> confusing the acronyms uh, today. But an Oscar race checkpoint is coming up from us. We ha- we have honest to good- goodness nominations to talk about, Mike, from the European Film Awards, from the uh, Critics' Choice Documentary Awards, and for the uh, uh, Gotham Awards that come out on Thursday. So some time friday or saturday we're planning an orc otherwise we're going to jump back into our james bond character study with specter and we got hillbilly elegy elegy we got mank we got ammonite we got a bunch of movies that we're going to review in some way shape or form in the coming weeks as well so a lot of stuff going on uh in terms of words of wisdom i kind of said it already just don't talk shit i know it's i know it's perfect time to talk some shit (laughs) as democrats but i mean it just doesn't help it's just going to exacerbate the issue and coming from someone who's surrounded by republicans not trump supporting republicans more of the bush variety uh in terms of my family and friends and i know a lot of them didn't even vote they sat this one out because they just dislike trump so much but again i have problems with their views and i'm surrounded by them but i i love them at the same time and you know, there is an argument to be made for kind of Republican politics. It's the same argument that if you, you know, talk about your civics class, you know, vantage point of it all, it's big government, small government. All right, fine. Free market, non-free market. All right, fine. I, w- I would make the argument that free market has gotten us into a, some trouble. And the... <laughs> All right, I, I'm, again, look, we need to talk to each other and we need to hash it out. And I think that's those are the words of wisdom. It's not, it's not time to do the touchdown dance. I know 
it's good to dance. It's good to celebrate. But I mean, if we look at the uh, the Republican turnout, I mean, they had a, a red wave almost as much as we had a blue wave here. So yeah. the job's not done, and nothing is solved. I mean, we, everything's still a problem. So yeah, Joe Biden had the most votes of any presidential candidate in the history of the United States. Guess who had the second most in the yeah. history of the United States? So exactly. uh, yeah, don't don't talk shit. Talk to each other and uh, be an adult at all times, especially if you're in the room. With a woman reporter who is significantly younger than you, and don't prey on her in the power dynamic. I think these are all good words, maybe just to live by. Words of wisdom, for sure. (laughs) Guys, I'll try to work on the don't talk shit part myself when it comes to (laughs) politics. But guys, uh, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.